0: What a delight it is to be here in the church this morning. I mean, I tell you what, Sunday mornings is always just awesome to gather as God's people. Amen. And uh, uh, this morning we are honored. Of course, this is our second Sunday in faith promise. And Dr. Sundberg, we, we do two Sundays. And the first Sunday, the president, he steps up here and he begins to tell us about all the things that Mission Church is doing around the world and our country and even our city. And uh, so we heard about that and it was very inspiring. Thank you so much for doing that for us. Uh, Barry. Uh, but this morning we have the honor of having Dr. Carlos Sundberg with us, who is the general superintendent of the church, one of our general superintendents of the church of the nazarene dr carla sunberg was elected 43rd general superintendent of the church of the nazarene at the 29th general assembly in indianapolis indiana in june 2017 at the time of her election dr sunberg was president of nazarene theological seminary where she had been serving since january 2014 we also know many of us uh, know and remember that they were also missionaries in russia and uh, they have some awesome stories by the way and i don't know if you end up sharing any but but anyhow uh, it, it is an honor to have you here this morning carla and uh, i i think the first time i probably ever remember seeing you we were probably college age something like that it was a long many years ago and uh, and then just watching the lord move in your life it's such a blessing we're behind you. I just want you to know that, and it is just an honor to have you here today. Won't you come minister to us, challenge us as we think about faith promise? Yep.
1: Yeah. It is good to be here this morning in beautiful, beautiful Southern California. Um, actually, last Sunday though, I was worshiping uh, with. The Church of the Nazarene in the Republic of South Africa. We were celebrating the 100th anniversary of the church in South Africa. And we worshipped in a big soccer stadium in a place called Pruitt. And uh, it was quite an exciting day. And um, their services probably last a little longer than yours do here. But we uh, we had a great time. It was good. And it was lovely weather as well. But here we are. And um, I told your pastor, I've never quite had a week like this week. I've been on the road so much this week. Uh, I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning ready to wake up and be up, and I thought, now i got to try and sleep a little bit longer than that. But uh, I have kind of been all – I've been about halfway around the world this week. But uh, So if I seem a little discombobulated this morning, I'm just trying to figure out where I am. But I'm here, and I'm getting to talk to you all about Faith Promise. Now, Faith Promise to me is one of the most special things that I get to talk about in the life of the church because we are a church – That has always been committed to the missional enterprise. In other words, as we embrace the message of holiness that is foundational to who we are as the Church of the Nazarene, we have always known that to love God meant we also had to love our neighbors. And so from the very beginning, we've been engaged in mission. So faith promise. This is a special time, and I know you've heard about this, but for you to make a promise in faith. As to what you can do to help support the work of the church. Now some of that is a monetary support. But sometimes that is prayer support as well. And I know that prayer is sacrificial. And we need you to participate with us in prayer. We also need those who are willing to say I'm going to go. And I'm going to be a part of this work and this mission. Your church, you came to us in Russia. 2002, is that about right? The group came and um, we remember these groups that would come and participate and help us in the work and how significant that is. Um, Again, this is a promise. This is not something that you can figure out always on the end of your pencil of how do I participate? I remember when we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana, it was in 2005 and we were doing faith promise at our church there. And our kids had never been a part of faith promise because they'd been over on the other side and now here we were doing this at our church and our oldest daughter was just getting off, ready to go off to college. But she listened to this whole talk on faith promise. And I remember we were taking pledges in baskets at the front of the church. And she came down and she put a pledge in there because she felt like God told her to write down $100. Now, as a 17-year-old, she did not have $100. She had no idea how she was going to give $100. But somehow she believed that God said, I want you to do that. That very week, a family from the church called and said, could you help us out by watching our kids? Uh, we need our kids, some help with them for a few days. And they said, we'll give you a $100. And I remember her being so excited because she had pledged in faith and then God had provided the way that she could take care of that pledge. And I tell you what, the mission work of the Church of the Nazarene has been built around people stepping out in faith and giving for years and years. We as the Church of the Nazarene, we are a movement of God through the people of God. This morning I want to take us to a scripture passage, and it's from the book of Revelation. I want us to begin at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. We're going to read through 8. 1. Would you stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's word? After this, I looked. This is John. He says, I, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb they were robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne. And they worshiped God, singing, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, who are these robed in white? and Where have they come from? I said to him, sir, you're the one who knows. Then he said to me. These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them them to springs of the water of life and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I just want you to imagine that in heaven there was a 24-7 prayer meeting that was going on. Just the people around the throne, there were sounds of praise and worship. They were all around. But then all of a sudden, the seventh seal is opened and there is complete and total silence. A holy hush washes over heaven. And heaven is silent. And in the silence, the distant prayers and the cries are heard coming from the persecuted saints who were on the earth. Who would join them? Who would help them? Who would join in prayers for deliverance from suffering? The profound silence in heaven created space for the cries of oppression. It was a silence of expectation for things were about to change. And you see, for you and for me, we are invited into this time. And today I would like to suggest that we are invited into this space where we are willing to be quiet and listen to the cries of those on earth who are saying, will you intercede with me? Will you help me? Will you send someone to me? You see, there are moments when we experience the holy hush of God's presence. We become so overwhelmed in worship and we are in awe of what we've just experienced. But there has to be that moment where there simply can be no amens to be shouted. There just needs to be silence. It's in the moment of holy silence that the faintest sounds are heard. So today I would suggest we've had a great time of praise and worship, but I'd like us to listen closely to the prayers and to the voices, because it's there that we discover those who've been praying throughout the years, praying for a breakthrough of God's Holy Spirit. One of those who prayed so much is this gentleman standing behind the pulpit. His name is Reverend Mashangu Maluleka. This man who referred to himself as just a Sean boy saved by God's grace. Mishangu Malaleka field strategy coordinator for the South Africa field. I arrived in Africa two years ago to be the general superintendent in jurisdiction. I arrived at a time of transition. We were just needing to get a new regional director because Dr. Shambo had been elected general superintendent. So we needed a new person there. And so Dr. Maluleika is the one who took me around. We would travel and go throughout the country and I would listen to him as he would tell me about the work and the ministry. He had such a heart and such a passion for what needed to happen. You see, he's a kid. He was a kid that grew up in the church of the Nazarene infected by Nazarene missions. He went on to become an educator and to become the principal of Nazarene Theological College in South Africa. And we were up at the graduation ceremony up there of Southern Africa Nazarene University, our university that we have now in Eswatini, which is the kingdom of Swaziland. While we were in Swaziland, we went to the little place on the bottom right that you see there, and that's a place called Enzengedi. I don't know if you've ever heard of Enzengedi, but it's the very first place that the first Nazarene missionary to Africa, Harman Schmelzenbach, went, was to Enzengedi. And that day, Mashangu and I, we walked around and I had to stop and listen quietly to what had happened. For it was over just a little over 100 years ago that a young man and his new bride, it was Harmon and Lula Schmelzenbaum, made their way to the kingdom of Swaziland and found their way to this place in They believed God wanted them to come to this place and to minister to the people of Africa. And for years, no one responded to the news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it was after Harman Schmelzenbach learned the language that he knew that these people lived in thatched huts and they could hear through the walls undeterred. He went and he would stand in the middle of their villages and he would preach the good news of Jesus Christ until eventually there was a breakthrough and one came to Jesus. And then another came to Jesus and then another came to Jesus. But stop and listen to the cries. We have in our office a letter from Harmon Schmelzenbach. It's one that he wrote to the general superintendents just soon after he had buried his two-year-old up there at Enzengeti. For you see, there was a sacrifice that was made. There was sacrifice to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to take that good news to the ends of the earth. And so there is the tomb of Harman Schmelzimba who died there. He and their babies are buried there behind the church. They have given their lives in service. But today in Africa, we have over 750,000 members in the church of the Nazarene. Can you hear it? Can you hear the voice of the one that said, yes, I will go and I will do what God asks me to do? Well, as I was traveling through Africa with my friend, Mashangu, had kind of a difficult district assembly. I don't know if you all know, but every now and then they just don't quite go smoothly. (laughs) And I remember after one of those district assemblies that he. Texted me the picture that you see up there. Be strong and courageous from Joshua 119. He was just encouraging me along the way. And so a year ago in January, I had traveled up to the Congo and it was early, early in the morning and the phone rang and I picked it up. And it was one of the ladies that works in the field office. And she said, Carla, I've got some really bad news. I said, what's wrong? And she said, Mashangu has just died. I was just stunned. Why would we lose him? I think there was silence in heaven as we looked on, stunned and wondering what would happen with the church. You see, there just seemed to be so many difficulties. And the very first slide that I showed this morning was a picture of a young man. He was our district superintendent in Lesotho. And just two months before that, he and the district secretary had been traveling up the mountains in Lesotho to visit one of our churches when they were engaged in a terrible accident. And both of them had just been killed and left the widows and the children. And Mashango had just gone and he had taken care of all of them and done preached all those funerals. And now I'm thinking, Lord, why in the world? We've just lost all our leadership in Lesotho. Why would you take from us our leader in South Africa? But during the silence, that deafening silence, when you and I are in pain, when we stop and we listen, we continue to hear and see that God is at work. Many years ago, my father had gone to Africa. I have kind of this distinct privilege, I guess, of being the only child of a general superintendent to be elected a general superintendent. I remember as a teenager, my dad heading over to Africa, and that was back in the day when we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have faxes and we didn't have email and dad would just leave for a month or two at a time. And we didn't know what was going on when he came back from his trip. He told us about going into Mozambique and he'd gone into Mozambique. And while he was there, he was meeting with the leadership in downtown Maputo. And while they were there, they began to hear gunfire down the road. And the country began to erupt as there was this um, war of independence that was happening. And, And dad said we had to go. We had to hide all night in a basement in the dark. He said somebody there said, I'm so glad somebody from Kansas City is here to be with us through this time. And he said they had no idea how terrified I was. He said, the morning after everything kind of settled down, he said, they put us in the car and they drove us out to Swaziland. And he said, along the way, there were cars turned over that had been burned through the riots of the night before. In the midst of all of that chaos, a couple of our missionaries and our district superintendent were all arrested and put in prison. Church of the Nazarene, Mozambique, mid-1970s, a small Fledgling Church of the Nazarene. The church was persecuted for months and months under the of uh, the oppressive government. And yet in the midst of it all, they just said, we're going to be faithful and we're going to follow Jesus Christ. Do you hear them? Do you hear their voices? So in January, I got to go to Mozambique. The district superintendent that was held in prison is Dr. Philip Chambo's father. His father was district superintendent. His mother was a pastor. That's a picture of me standing with his mother. Her name is Betsy Shambo. Betsy Shambo's nickname is the Lioness of Africa. For you see, while his dad was district superintendent, she was pastoring the largest church in all of Africa. That's the church up above Maputo Central that she pastored. Church of nearly 3,000 people. And in the midst of the persecution, Betsy kept preaching. Betsy kept telling people about Jesus. She began to be concerned that her church was getting too large. So she planted 29 more. In the midst of that oppression in the mid-1970s, the people said, we will continue to serve God. And the church prayed and the church supported And today in Mozambique, we have over 200,000 members in the Church of the Nazarene. We have more members in that one country than we do in the entire Asia-Pacific region of the Church of the Nazarene. That's what happens when God is at work. So do you hear them? Do you hear their voices? They are investing in the future. This was a class of ordinance as we prepared to ordain them. They bring them all together from multiple districts. I multiply I, I ordained people from five different districts. They actually have, I think, 30 districts just in Mozambique alone. So this was a great event on a Sunday morning. And we praise God. Well, if we keep going, we discover and we hear that the work of God continues in higher education. For you see, when the Schmelz and arrived, the people were not educated And let me just tell you, the government didn't think that it was important to educate the blacks. The missionaries did. The missionaries said, we're going to plant schools. We're going to reach out to the people that are not getting to have opportunities. And the church has believed in education. And the church began to not only plant primary schools. We planted high schools. And today in Africa, we have two universities. Let me just tell you, that's amazing. And that is the picture of graduation at African Nazarene University, a university with 4,000 students. We have Southern African Nazarene University in the kingdom of Eswatini. And there we have about 3,000 students. It is amazing for you see. We are seeing and hearing the work of missions where the people of God are participating in the movement of God. Well. Our investment in missions has meant that everywhere leaders are being raised up. And I have to just tell you, it's amazing to me to have this opportunity to go around and to see what God is doing and how God is raising up leaders. The picture on the left is our new regional director, Dr. Daniel Gomius and his wife, Annalee. And that's just such a miracle story. If you could ever have him come and share his story, it is mind-boggling. His real name is Daniel Abdu Karim Lucien Gomez. His father was Roman Catholic. His mother was Muslim. And how in the world he came to know Jesus Christ is a miracle in and of itself. He is from Dakar, Senegal. He became our field strategy coordinator there about eight years ago when we had about 14,000 people as part of the work of the Church of the Nazarene in West Africa. Today we have over 100,000 people. There is a movement of God afoot in a part of the world that is infiltrated uh, where our Christian people have to come against Islam all the time. They are sacrificing of their lives. And this is who God has raised up to be our leader for the work of the Church of the Nazarene. Do you hear them? Do you hear their voices? Over on the right was the very first group of people I ever ordained anywhere in the world. It was in Swaziland. I think that's appropriate. That's Swatini. But in the two years that I was in jurisdiction, they said the priority, Carla, is we have to get our people ordained. We've got people that have been waiting in the queue for so long. Can you please get around and try to ordain as many as possible? We have 1,500 ordained elders for over 750,000 members. So we have people ready to be ordained. We just can't get general superintendents to them. I was able to ordain 261 elders in two years to God be the glory. It's amazing. And so everywhere we've been going and we've been ordaining elders. It is exciting. But let's listen. Let's listen to the church in Rwanda and Burundi and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Displaced people living with war. They have handicapped who are cast away from society, but the church says we will love you. In uh, in the Congo, we have this wonderful ministry to the handicapped young men, and they make they have a business of making leather goods. They make made me sandals with my name on them. They're pretty cool. But it's just amazing seeing what God is doing among these leaders. It's our leadership in uh, the Congo in that picture there. And on a Monday morning as I was supposed to be leaving, they said, could you please stop by the school? And we have a primary school with 700 children. And they all came outside to sing and to greet us there. You see, can you hear it? We can't get back in there right now because they got something called Ebola. So they're not letting us back in. But you know, the Church of the Nazarene had to figure out what we were going to do with Ebola, too. They came up with something called 21 and free. Might sound kind of crazy, but you see, you have 21 days to figure out if you're going to die of Ebola or not. So when you get Ebola, you are quarantined for 21 days. We began this ministry in Sierra Leone. The people didn't know you didn't know you were going to get quarantined. I mean, you didn't get to prepare for it. The government might just show up and they would put tape around your house and you were not allowed out for 21 days. And in those 21 days, your life would be determined. What to do? The church said, we've got to do something. Your church, the church of the Nazarene would come every day to the quarantined homes and bring them food and water. And then they would stand and they would tell them the good news of Jesus and sing songs and help them get through the 21 days. And that's how our ministry of 21 and free began by ministering to the world with Ebola. Do you hear them? Do you hear what is happening? So Let's stop and listen for a minute to a new day of missions. The pastor that's standing in the front there with the microphone, his name is Reverend Balibanga. He's been living in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. He and his wife, they have ten children, and one of them is named Carla, and I have my picture down there with her. She's not named after me. She's named after Carla Frazier, but she wanted to have her picture taken with another Carla. He has got three kids that are students at African Nazarene University studying to be in the ministry and to make a difference in Africa. He lost one of his children there in Congo because he couldn't get good health care when his son got sick. But the rest of the family, they've just packed up and moved to Cameroon because this is a new day of missions. And they're going to they are our missionaries planting the work of the Church of the Nazarene in Cameroon. At our general board meeting in uh, February this year, we did something Amazing. We commissioned 37 new missionaries this year. Global missionaries. They were from 17 different countries. And this was the largest commissioning class since 1980. Only 40% were from the U.S. this time. In the past, it used to be around 80%. This is part of what you are participating in. Well, I mentioned Ebola. This is our medical clinic in the Congo ministering to those with Ebola and then can you just listen a minute because I think heaven must have strained to listen when I was privileged to be the first general superintendent in more than 20 years to attend this district assembly in South Africa this woman stood before me as the only ordinand and she and her husband had been ministers together her husband leading the church but he had died She knew that someone had to continue the ministry, and so she went through the entire course of study. And there she stood before me that night to be ordained as an elder in the church of the Nazarene. She just wept tears of joy. Can you hear her? Can you stop and see her doing her work and her ministry? But I have to tell you, sometimes when we stop and we listen, we don't like what we hear. There on the western shores of Africa in Dakar, they took me out to this island. This island where you have an incredibly sobering experience where you discover this is one of the islands where they brought people from all over Africa to sell them as slaves around the world. Let me just tell you, it was a horrible experience To see the rooms and the chambers where people were held in chains, where people did things to one another and to humanity that we should never do to one another. And I stood in that doorway that you can see out to the ocean. It was called the door of no Return. For you see, from that place, people were placed on ships and often families taken, divided. One member sent to Europe, another sent to South America, another to the Caribbean, another to the North America. You never knew. And let me just tell you, can you hear the pain? Can you hear the pain when we do not treat one another the ways in which we ought to be treated? But let me just tell you something. The church in West Africa, the church in West Africa, from which so much history comes. Is listening to the word of the Lord and they are raising up. Can you hear them? Because you see, they are a persecuted church and they are facing threats from Islamic extremists. And yet they are pressing on. You see, when I go there, the hotels that I stay in. They have huge fences around them. They search every vehicle going into the territory. They have to check underneath for bombs. To get into a hotel, you have to go through security, just like going into an airport. They have security guards with guns on every single floor because we don't know what's going to happen. And in the midst of all that, you have a church that is not just surviving, but thriving. There's a picture up there of them holding up a piece of cloth on that piece of cloth. It tells the entire story of the gospel because the women in Benin. May not be literate, but they sure know how to tell people about Jesus. So in Benin, we have a district with over 500 churches all of a sudden, where people are just simply so passionate about telling others about Jesus, they're just telling one person after another. It's the largest district we have in the world, 35,000 members on one district in Benin. Do you hear them? It's amazing. Over on the top right, those are our field strategy coordinators for the West Africa field. One of them speaks French, one of them speaks English, and they're just doing an amazing job. The picture of me with a whole group of guys down below, those are our leaders in Nigeria. And the work in Nigeria is just kind of getting off the ground and getting getting feet. But the work in Nigeria, they have a dream that by 2040, they'll have a million members there. Do you hear them? Do you hear them? So let me just tell you, it's exciting for me to share what's going on in Africa. And uh, they're going to send the little video of what I'm doing right here this morning up to the ladies who are having a ladies retreat today. So ladies, I hope you get to hear this message today and that you hear. You hear what is going on because God is raising up a church. The silence in heaven lasted for 30 minutes so that they could be quiet and they can hear. And this morning, you've given me 30 minutes. I hope that you hear what is happening around the world. You're invited to be participants together in that mission today through being participants in Faith Promise. The church in Africa, there's so much more I could share. I could share stories from all over the world. God is at work. And God's just saying, would you come and be participants together with me in this movement of God through the people of God?